Hello, everyone, and welcome again to another episode of Real Talk. This episode's going to be a little special, going to be a little different than what you're used to. I guess unless you listen to our first episode, then it's fairly similar, just with just the two of us. Uh, but today, once again, I am joined by the lovely Adelaide, as usual. Um, and lovely today, now. Yeah, I got an upgrade. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're always, you're, you're, you're my co-host, I'm your co-host. It's a, it's a 50 split. Yeah. And you guys can't see right now, but I have, um, I just take Lily's word for it. Uh, I am, um, I'm not single, but my phone number is still out there somewhere buried in the internet, so. <laughs> yeah, you aren't single. You better not no, try and <laughs> I may or may not. Libby's phone number is somewhere on the internet if you pay some internet hackers enough, though. So. <laughs> That's the thing, though. I'm in Oklahoma, so it's even harder to find like a non fisherman or fisherwoman kind of situation. So it's like, I, I'm really not having any yeah. luck. So if you're in the California area, I may be back there to get my stuff from my sorority house in January. Hit me up if you want to. Yeah. Good Lord, where are we already? You're, if, just, you, you can be a fish man, a fish woman, just not a fish person. That's just like the flip of a mermaid and we don't need to see that. I'm like, I'm like saying, I'm like, I'm not really into the whole shape of water situation. So I don't know. Uh, bad news for my, <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> She water's really good, though. I need to see it. You know, I I think I, I think I was a little bit too harsh when it won. Uh, it won best director, didn't it? Did it win? It best won best picture, best director, best no, lost best actress. I think I, I think it won best original score. Can you hear that? Yeah. Oh yeah. Is it your kitty cat? Yeah. Oh, look at him digging. Y'all can't hear it, or or you guys can't see it, but maybe you might be able to hear it. Uh, Cosmo yeah. is the cat. He likes to bury a hole. Little box and not take a shit. He's just not take a shit. Just dig. Dig in a dig. Yeah. <laughs> My cat loves to do the same thing. Oh, that's too cute. The point is, today is a special episode because we will be counting down. I guess counting up more so. We're going from our least to most favorite uh, movies, films of the 2010s. I, I, I believe you mean favorite to most favorite. Because like there are no bad yeah, movies. No, here. You're, like, you're I, right. Yeah. From my perspective, there's no bad movies. Yeah, I haven't seen Libby's list. No, I however. Feel I feel that I was making my list and I was I was having such a hard time with placing them in specific numbers because I realized like I love all of these movies the same way. It's just hard to put them in an order. Yeah. Did you feel the same way? Yeah. Um I will say, oh, actually as I do this I added another thing to my honorable mentions list cuz on top of those 10 I also have mm -hmm. an additional uh fire truck. Fire truck. <laughs> I have 10, I, 10 or 11, I lost count, 10 or 11 different honorable mentions, ignoring the fact that I also have a written, confirmed, actual, fully filled top 100 of all time list. Oh, see, yeah, see, that's something that my ADHD brain could not, I mean, okay, that's the thing, it could, but it can't, it could yeah. on a good day, but it can't on any other. Yeah. Well, I, 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 think, I think we've talked about this. Just like my I, my ADHD is hyperfixation, so I can just lock down yeah. and I and I did that. And I'm actively updating it, and the majority of those are from the 2010. So I just could just like yoink that list, and that's a majority of what's here. It's not everything, but it's a majority of it. Right. See, my my hyperfixation just comes with like specifics, as in like you know fandoms and whatnot. You know how I am with Marvel and everything yeah. and everything. But I I've had a top three list since maybe 2012 that's been solid and consistent. However, I haven't had a top 10 list as well as one of the top three that I have is from like 2017, 20, 2008, and that's Juno. So I couldn't add it to this list because she didn't make the cut. Ellen Page, love of my life, I am so sorry. Um, but so I kind of, I like I, I told Adelaide before this, I went through 
letterboxed of, and, and, and kind of looked at all of the films that were made within the 2010s. And I found myself like realizing I've seen so much more than I thought I'd seen. Like to the point where I was checking off like Alvin and the Chipmunks, the squeakquel, and realizing, I'm gonna tell you, I loved those Alvin and the Chipmunk movies. Oh yeah, okay, real talk is canceled. Uh, thank you for watching season three. No, come on, absolutely not. Googler's in it. He played Simon. There is, there is one good part of that entire franchise, and it's David Cross. Oh, that's he does great. not give a shit. What about Jason Lee? I like him. No, no, okay. <laughs> okay, but in in fucking shipwrecked, David Cross plays a bird who doesn't give a shit. Jenny <laughs> Slate was in Chipwrecked. It wasn't a good part, and I also haven't seen the entirety of Chipwrecked, but I really don't want to at this point. Like it came out at a time when I realized, okay, I'm done with Alvin and the Chipmunks. Actually, anyway. wait, 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 wait. Oh, yeah. oh wait, no. Is that one a road trip? Either one one of them. I haven't even seen road trip or chip. One of them came out the same day as Star Wars The Force Awakens and was the highest grossing movie of that year, if not of all time. That never reached number one at the box office. Oh my god! Okay, yeah, because yeah. it had to be Road Chip because I think Road Chip came after Chipwrecked. I shouldn't know that because I don't care. But having a younger sibling really puts everything in perspective. Okay, oh Cosmo is done shitting in my room, so now Yay. we can get to our top no, ten of the twenty tens. Do you want to go first? Or should I go first? I'm. You go ahead and go first. Got to get one MCU reference in here, because, uh, fun fact, I have no... Oh, no. I do have franchise on my list. I do not have an MCU movie on my list, though. I have two. Or, well... I wonder why. Three Marvel movies, but only two of them are MCU. It's just going to okay. be... I can probably get to the one, but that's beside the point. So my number 10. <laughs> Go for it. My number 10 is the only one on here that I have not seen multiple times, and that's only because it came out last year. Ooh, okay. And by the time that I wanted to get the DVD, uh, I was poor and couldn't afford it. Mm -hmm. uh, it is... Uh, Celine Sciamma's Portrait of a Lady on Fire. <gasps> Something I have yet to see. Tell me all about it. Oh, my God. Oh okay, my so God. in summation, other than just gay depression, that's most gay romance films. Um, <laughs> it's about this painter who's basically hired to, um, I don't know like, the technical term for it, but uh, this princess, royalty, duchess, whatever, uh, she's been, like, seen as, I don't, what are the, what, what are words? Um... Explain it to me. Maybe I can... there's like a lord who okay. a wants lord to marry her. Arranged like, marriage. Yeah, sure. and he's like, I don't know what she looks like. Send me a picture of her. Oh. So before that, so um, her mother basically hires this painter, uh, played by Adele Hanel. Oh, I see where this is going. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna pull up the actual people in here. I'm forgetting names. Oh, um, and throughout all of that, really, it's about them slowly falling in love over it. Just like, wow, I never had someone actually pay attention to me. And it's and it's all oh, it's it's little things, but you, you see in the first time that she's painting her, it's just like it's 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 the it's her eyes and her eyebrows and the way she holds her hands when she sits calmly, and they go to a beach together and she like tempts and like her um, they keep like losing painters because it's like oh my god my daughter wants to jump off a cliff and you're not stopping her get out of here, she does, she, does, she does that just to test them which is fucking awesome. Good lord. And of course, yeah, they they fall in love, they have sex. If I, I think what Skiyama does, which she does wonderfully, mm -hmm. is she removes like the. Uh, I'll just say like that. One one of my honorable mentions, the other French lesbian film everyone knows about, Blue is the Warmest Color. Uh, oh yeah, that's we can get we can get, we can get to that controversy later. Right. But I think at the end of it, like it's there's a sensitivity to it. There's an understanding of like this isn't about lust, and even then, like they they're on a lot of 
sex scenes per se. Right. They allude to it and it's not like it's hidden, but they don't focus on it. And it's just about these two women's relationship, even though it's for such a brief time, acknowledging how real it is and how important it feels to them and how much that it impacts their way of life going forward. And beyond mm-hmm. that, and this is my this is my extreme hot take. Yeah. It has my favorite ending of any film ever. Like it is brilliant. And I can't go I can't say anything about spoiling it, but it's anything. wonderful. Oh, that's fantastic. See, this is I'm I'm it, it's on my list. It's on my watch list 100 percent And I'm very, I'm very excited to watch it, but I think it's also like I mentioned um, previously with our onward thing, I'm very scared of emotions, and you know, especially when it you comes. You would not survive this. Well, I know I won't, but I'm still. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and I've seen, I've seen a lot of coverage uh, of it on online, uh, especially on Twitter. I've seen gifs, probably of the ending, um, but I think I don't know what it means, and so I'm ready. I think that I right, right. So I think that I don't really have the an idea. Like I've seen images, but I don't know the context. So I think that's where I'm very excited to jump in and uh, get my get my eyes on this movie. All right, so, um, so what you what you know isn't the end scene, but it's it's the titular scene, basically, is what I'm guessing, right? Is the viewing of the picture itself? Okay, no, that no, that is the ending. But uh, so there's, yeah. there's there's another scene that everyone is that it's being like pushed around right now. Yeah. It's like the big famous scene. Um, basically, it's they um their houseworker at the at basically the place that she's staying gets pregnant, and they go to like some like small like witchy cult thing and there's never really like, a connection explanation to it mm-hmm. uh either give birth or have an abortion i forget which one and mm-hmm. f- during it they have this big dance around the fire which is where the, which is where it comes from oh. but they sing this amazing song which i'm gonna about to butcher the title but it's um the it's french i don't know so i can no, I, whatever. I don't even know <laughs> i barely passed i'm not helpful <laughs> it is so fucking beautiful just just granted I don't listen to a lot of non-English music, but just the words and the chanting and the instrument, it just, it's, oh, there's a reason it's one of my top five of last year. It's fucking perfection. That's so fun. See, yeah. you talked about witchy, like kind of cultish stuff. And that made me remember one of the movies that are on my, um, that's on my watch list is The Witch. With I haven't gone to it yet. I know. See, doesn't it look fun? Okay, it doesn't look fun. It looks okay. Horrible. Okay, but The Witch is a horror movie and there's a goat named Black Phillip. This yes, one has- that, I don't know why I know that, but I do. Uh, and this one is just really gorgeous, like French beach landscapes and awesome. amazing music. And also, uh, Delhanel and Naomi Merlan are just both beautiful. Oh, so God, honestly. Oh my yeah. goodness. Not to mention we stand them and Celine Sciamma, because uh, when yeah. fucking Woody Allen won a, won a best director um, oh, thing in another country for a shit movie, and they both walked out. It's like, okay, cool, yay, or pedophiles. Like, we fucking stand, and we fucking stand. Did you see that Woody Allen was trending on Twitter this week? Why? And well, that's the thing. I didn't look it up, but I know that one of the log lines for like the whole or like the sub, the sub, the subtitle for the for like the trending tab on Twitter was "No, he's not dead yet." Fuck! <laughs> 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 Why not? Oh, jeez. Okay, so, Sorry, what is your number ten? My number ten. Okay, so this is actually kind of it's it's this is this is good because we're kind of going with the um oh geez, what's the word? with the uh, period pieces, I would say. And I believe I talked about this in our top three last three, but this is just a movie that has been so 
integral with my, I mean, with my quarantine period, and this is kind of the only movie on my top 10 list right now that has been from my quarantine period. Um, but I, I, I've watched it multiple times. I, I love it so much. Uh, and I really, I, I realized I could only pick one Anya Taylor-Joy uh, film for this list. Mm. And so I had to kick out Thoroughbreds to my, uh, to my, um, to my honorable mentions because I had only seen it once. My top, my, my number 10 choice for my top 10 of 2010 is Emma because I just love it so much. Is, is that not 2020? It is. Does that not count? No, it's it's 2010 to 2019. Are you kidding me? Well, fine. Then I'll talk about <laughs> thoroughbreds. In yeah. <laughs> I know that's you just wanted that, didn't you? Emma. No, no. Although I, I just had, I just had to, just talked about that with my friend last night. who was seen it for the first time, so I am primed and ready. Oh, you've seen it. Oh my goodness. Yes. I'm so excited. Uh, I watched it in theaters. Oh. I was hyped. It's well, so it's. Uh, Emma, as much as I love you. Oh no, why can't I find it? I can't spell thoroughbreds, that's why, so I'm trying to look there's it up. A, oh, there's a U in there, because British people are pretentious. Thoroughbreds, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, well, yeah, so I watched, I guess I watched Thoroughbred uh, in, oh geez, I watched, I had to have watched that in 2019, probably the summer of 2019. Uh, but it had, it had been on my list for such a long time. Um, and I, I think, Initially, I really wanted to watch it because I loved the actress who played Amanda, who is kind oh, of yeah. our resident psychopath in this film. Oh, um, you like Ready Player One, don't you? No, I liked Bates Motel. I've never seen Ready Player One. Oh, is she in that? Yeah, she, oh my know? gosh, yes, she is. She <laughs> plays, um, so Norman Bates has a brother um, named something, named like whatever, and he's- Well, he's Roger. Sure, no, uh, okay, Dylan. <laughs> Norman Bates has a brother named Dylan, and he yeah. falls in love with Olivia Cook's character Emma Dakota, but so does Norman Bates. So no, I, it's yeah, it's a whole mess. But I first fell in love with Olivia Cook through Bates Motel, and I found out that she was going to be in this movie with Anya Taylor Joy, who I had, um, I, I I had seen her Anya in something before. I think it was that I knew that she was in something else because I'm looking at her. I'm looking at her filmography right now and I'd never seen her before, before I had seen Thoroughbreds. So I think that I had recognized Anya Taylor-Joy from The Witch and I kind of She, she said, had one of those faces. She really, oh, I mean, she's the most recognizable human being I've ever seen in my entire life. Those eyes, are you kidding me? Gorgeous. I could fall into them. Oh my God, right? Um, but then also Anton Yelchin is in this movie who unfortunately, I know, unfortunately passed away before the uh, premiere of it. Um, and even before the premiere of the final Star Trek, which no. is when I fell in love with him. I know it's- I, I don't even love Star Trek. I don't even love Star Trek. I was fucking crying watching uh, Star Trek oh, Beyond. I like him and Leonard Nimoy both tributes in the same movie. Like that shit hurt. I know, no, I, I saw that. I saw that movie with the significant of, other of the time. And it was so embarrassing because I was just crying my little eyes out. Uh, for for Antoine, um, but yeah, but um, this this film is just it's I think it's just it's ooh geez I I'm stuttering because I don't even know because I've never seen anything else like it. Um, it's this kind of oh geez like family drama, but at the same time friendship drama and who can you trust with your friend relationships and whatnot. 
Um, I'll, I'll, I'll give a quick run through. Two upper-class teenage girls in suburban Connecticut rekindle their unlikely friendship after years of growing apart. Together, they hatch a plan to solve both their problems, no matter what the cost. And I'll tell you what one of the problems is, is that Anya Taylor-Joy hates her stepfather and would like to kill him. We stand fuck stepdads. Now listen, I don't have a bad stepdad, and I don't have a bad, a bad stepparent at all. But I have parents with significant others. Um, and I'm not going to say that either of them are awful. They're both very kind and very nice. However, I understand the whole situation of that's not my mom. That's not my dad. And I kind of get it, you know? I, I, think, I, think, I think there's beyond that. And the movie, the movie yeah. tries to show that through the rowing machine. And how, like, they, they just, it's, it's like this idea of just, like, omnipresence, pro, mm -hmm. omnipresentness, and how yeah. it's always there, and just ne you never feel comforting or safe. And it's so you always hear her just, like, scratching along the floor as she's doing anything. And it's, and, it's, it's feeling oh like you don't feel at home in your own home. As, yeah. And it's, it's, it's also, like a, like, a giant metaphor for being a child of divorce or a child of, you know, parents with you know, significant others or whatnot. It's just kind of just like uneasiness. It's constant. Mm -hmm. And it may feel like it's okay in the long run, but you think about it more and more and it's just like this eeriness to it. And that's, yeah. I never thought about it like that. That's crazy. I think the movie also has just a, does a wonderful job of just balancing tone. Cause oh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of darkness to just the idea of just like wanting to murder your stepdad. But even beyond that, like Olivia Cook's or yeah, Olivia Cook's character, mm -hmm. like her whole introduction is like, oh yeah, that she's the girl that like killed a horse. And they don't explain it for the longest time, and, and it's trying to like, can you relate? To the, can you like humanize with this character who, right. in our mind, is like a fucking psych who just murders horses for whatever reason? Right. And then they they get in a fight with a drug dealer played by Anton Yelchin, and yeah. trying to balance that and everything. And it just the movie does a really good job at finding its tone and finding its audience and just sticking through it all the way to its end. Which again, mm -hmm. another amazing ending for a movie. Oh my gosh, it's just, and I, those last few seconds really just kind of, oh, they, I think about it and it just kind of woof, gets me every yeah. time. Again, like the, the motif of the, of the wrong machine, just like finally. Oh yeah. Continuing and just staying and she, long after. And it's all done in one shot, which to me is like, it's, oh, oh. I think that, that that's the sign of just a really amazing director. Mm -hmm. The idea of just like getting to convey all of this emotion, not only through just the idea of all of it in one shot, mm -hmm. but through like just through the use of sound and trusting your actresses. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I think it's really incredible what was able to be done there. And it's, I don't think he's done anything else since then. Uh, it's, yeah, it's Corey Finley. Um, and he did a show, I, th I think it's a show on HBO called Bad, uh, called Bad Education. Which oh, I think it was I a movie. I, I, was meant, I meant to watch that. I never got around to it. I've heard amazing things movie? though. Yeah, it's oh. it's an it's an HBO original, which then got released in theaters. Everyone's like, "Let's give it Oscars." It's complicated. Okay, see, I feel like I've I'd, I'd heard of it, but I'd never um never seen it. But yeah, no, I I think that you're right. Look, there's this tone, though. I think that I when I come to you know when I like when I watch movies, the first thing that I really look for for the first time when I watch it um, is aesthetic and cinematography situations. And so I with um Call Me by Your Name. I don't like it that much, but it's beautiful and it makes me love it. And the music, Sufjan Stevens is my favorite artist of all time. So the subject matter is a little iffy for me, but everything else about the movie yeah. hits all of my- Everything body. except for the story, Kino, perfection. Exactly. Bringing the story, ew. Yucky! Ew. Don't well, eat that peach. Kind of yucky. Like, did you see that Instagram story of him making his kids like 
suck his toes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like, that kind of ruined the whole thing for me. I mean, anyone who wants to suck toes on Instagram is just not a vibe. I mean, it's just not, I'm not vibing with you, man. I'm sorry. I got to tell you, Army, not vibing with it. But yeah, so I, I, but that being said, I think that Thoroughbreds was one of those that really kind of hit all my spots with it. I loved the cinematography, but I loved the story as well because it was relatable and it had humor and it had, you know, kind of eeriness to it that really made me appreciate it. So yeah, number 10 on my list is Thoroughbreds. Sorry, Emma, I bumped you down, but it's okay. We found a replacement. <laughs> You're still in there. <laughs> Give me your nine. My number nine uh, on the trend of really depressing romance films. Uh, number nine is Her from 2013. Yes. Oh, that, okay. That, that, that you actually like it. That's good. Yeah, well, I love her. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's been a while once. It's been a while. This was in the camp with like the Planet of the Apes remakes. Mm -hmm. Where I just I had one friend in, I had one friend in particular who every time I brought it up despised not because of not because of the film itself but just the concept was impossible for her to get into and she's Aww. like I'm sorry this terrifies me the, and the whole idea of the movie yeah just 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 the idea of like falling in love with an AI and creating this sort of sent this this sentient being who are they programmed to fall in love with you and trick you and everything or can they actually develop these emotions right okay. And I mean, even just beyond that, I think the whole conversation is interesting because, like, she was met, she was built with the idea of companionship, not not necessarily romantic. Right. And they get into that more later. And can you develop these genuine feelings for something that's not real? And and what is feeling for you is that real? But it's actually this was one of the first films I remember really getting me into film. Really? Because you know, I I became interested in like late twenty thirteen, early twenty fourteen. Mm -hmm. And I remember dragging my mom to see this with me. Um, <laughs> bad decision. No. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when 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 one of the best scenes in your movie is just like Kristen Wiig through a phone, it's like, oh yeah, show me with a dead cat. Oh no, I forgot about. Oh no, I forgot about that because they had the whole system set up, right? Of the like the actual like virtual uh, like escorts and whatnot. No, no, no. no, 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 no it, it, it was just phone sex for him. Wait, say say that one more time. Sorry, that scene was just the phone sex. There's a different oh. one with a real person, which I think is actually no. beautiful. I remember that because they bring in a real person to pretend to have sex with him, but the but with Samantha in the ear. Right, I remember, dude. You're bringing it all back now. Like I remember. I, no, really, I recommend you rewatch this because it's really I know, I good. I, I think the movie has, I, I think, okay, so just for people who don't know, yeah. uh, her directed by Spike Jones, starring uh, Joaquin Phoenix and Scarlett Johansson. Joaquin. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it is basically just about a guy who's sort of lost in his life and he ends up getting an AI to help him get organized in his work. And over the course of the film that, that, that changes into like a romantic relationship with him and his AI. And the film does at times sort of question like, is this real? Is this a valid relationship? And this is all like opposed with his wife, his ex-wife uh, who broke up because he was too controlling and expected too much out of her. So it's like, is this person who he basically has full control over just like a bad thing for his, like his mental health and his relationship and everything. But also your mic just cut out. Oh no, I, I muted myself. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, never mind then. Um, 
But I just think it's beautiful. And they, they symbolize his loneliness so well by, I think they filmed in like uh, South Korea or something. Really? So they have like these beautiful, yeah. massive skyscrapers, like yeah. a, like adorned with pastels. And it's supposed to be in the future. So did they do that on yeah. purpose? Yeah, like, so yeah, like near, like near future-esque. Like wow, oh, I love that. Now, theoretically. That's so cool. Oh, yeah. yeah. I just think back on a lot. And you'll, you'll see, like, I just have a thing for just un, un, like non-traditional love stories. Yeah. And it's beautiful. And I think the film does this great way of just like showing how all the relationships are different, sort of accepting that. And you get that through um, Amy Adams is in here as well. And she's dating. Oh, I forgot who the fuck she's dating, but some asshole. Um, his name is Matt Lesher. No one really, no one really special. And then also his coworker, Chris Pratt. Oh, no who, way. Yeah. So funny. Or weird. And, <laughs> well, it's just all these different characters sort of approaching their relationships in different ways. And and how companionship sort of like not only defines the individual, but you can get so much from someone about how they spend their time and how they treat their significant other and who they're with. Right. And it's just this beautiful film about relationships. And mm-hmm. I, I, I just, I do not have words, but I can say that was that the director voices a little robot guy, and, and you, he plays he plays video game, and it's like, hey, go in this hole, fuck you, little fucking shithead, and he's just <laughs> yelling at him the entire time, and oh, it's great, God. and I love it so much. Oh, I really need to rewatch this because I I put it on my letterbox, and it's it's, it's something that I know that I've seen, and I need to rewatch. But I think I the, one of the reasons why I watched it in the first place was because um, the original song that was created for the movie, the Moon Song. Oh, um, it's so good. It's so good. But uh, my favorite uh, my favorite band of all time is Vampire Weekend. And the lead singer of that band sang a rendition of that song um, just like for, you know, like download, but also at the Oscars. Uh, Ezra Koenig did the Oscar performance with Karen O, I believe. I, I believe so, yes. yes. Also, the, the music here was composed by Arcade Fire. <gasps> no fucking way. Yeah. I didn't even know that. Oh, that's so cool. I love this even more now. I mean, hey, you, 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 I mean, just like rewatch it in the background while we're getting through. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That's just like how uh, I love that Labyrinth did Euphoria. Y'all should go back and watch our Euphoria episode. That shit slaps. It's yeah, so yeah, it's good. so good. <laughs> All right, so what is your number nine? Oh, geez. Okay, well, my number nine is actually, this is good. This is, this is, we're kind of like, we're kind of together on what are the like the genre esque of like what our our movies are about because your last one was a period piece. Uh, this one is also a romance movie, but it's kind of an unconditional situation. This movie is Ruby Sparks, which I want to uh, see this. I want to see this. I love it. This is now this is one that I have seen multiple times. This was directed by Jonathan Dayton and Valerie Ferris in 2012, and I this was kind of one of the I mean, I mean, I I think so. You you mentioned when, that her got you into um, film itself. I kind of got into film or with a different movie uh, first, which is my number one actually. So I'll get to that. But this was one of the first movies after my number one that I watched. That was kind of more of an independent film as opposed to a blockbuster or something that had come out widespread in theaters. Uh, right. So Ruby Sparks is about a novelist that is struggling with writer's bro- uh, block finds romance in the most unusual way by creating a female character he thinks he's in love with, then willing her into existence. And that is exactly what happens. So she just shows up out of the blue in his apartment and is like, yeah, you're my boyfriend. I'm your girlfriend. We've been together for some odd years because that's what he'd written down. And the entire thing is just this insane journey of 
morals and what is right and what is wrong and controlling other people. Uh, it stars Paul Dano and Zoe Kazan, who were really big whenever this movie came out, but then I haven't I haven't seen them in a lot of stuff recently. I feel like Paul has though. Oh, no, 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 Paul Dano gets around. Uh, oh, yeah. Zoe Kazan. Uh, I think her big stuff since then has been uh, The Big Sick. Oh yes, and yes. Oh. A movie I just watched recently, which is amazing, is What oh, If with Daniel Radcliffe. Oh wow. And, okay. Um, so, yeah. Okay. So, have you, have you been on TikTok with the audio of just like Adam Driver? It's like I just had sex and I'm about to eat nachos. Yes. <laughs> it's from that movie, and it's so good. It oh, is I love crazy. that. Oh, I love that. Also, I just looked at it. Apparently, the directors also mm -hmm. did Little Miss Sunshine, which yeah. is a massive ringing endorsement. Oh, I know, right? And like that's how they brought in Paul because he played the brother. I remember in Little Miss Sunshine. Oh my goodness! But such a God, such. This movie was, so right, so this was kind of one of the first independent films that I had watched, you know, other than, you know, other, it's, it's it was kind of just one of the first introductions to cinema, I guess, or film that I had had. And it was also one of the movies that I think made me, made me cry on first watch, right? This is one of the first movies that like made me actually feel emotion as a little, I guess it came out in 2012 and I watched it around the time it came out. I was 13, freshly a teenager, and I was just kind of an emotional wreck uh, because this movie, just like the one you talked about, her revolves around this, this, this morally strange relationship where this person, Ruby Sparks, did not exist before um, Paul Dano's character, Calvin, writes her into existence and literally realizes that he can write anything down about her and that will happen. And he, you know, it's it's this idea where he he finds himself suddenly, you know, thrust into this relationship with someone that he thinks he knows because he has, he he, he controls her and he's written her into existence, but he realizes that this person is someone that he doesn't know at all because she just came into existence. And it's just this constant struggle with like, do I love this woman because she is mine or do I not know her at all because I just met her even though she's from the figment of my imagination. And it almost has a 500, um, 500, day, 500 days of summer, yeah. 500 days of summer feel to it, especially within the ending, I believe. I won't give anything away. I won't give anything away uh, that might have given everything away, but it's just this kind of realization that just because you think you know someone as well as you can, you may not. And it's, I mean, I don't, it's hard to even talk about it because it's such a, you know, it's such a, it's such a conundrum of a movie and such a conundrum of a situation that I think, you know, it's hard, I, to, hard to put more. I have to know. Yeah. Have to know. If, if, are your lead characters as shitty as Tom and Summer are for each other? Or are they like actually good people? Ooh, that's, mm. so I think that it's, you're very on the nose with, our, our our male lead Paul Dano. Oh no! Because of just the situation, and and there's one scene in particular where it's 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 the climax of the movie. It really is, and you think this man is the worst human being to exist. Like I wish 
harm upon this man because he has caused so yeah. much pain and suffering to Fuck, his, man. his significant other. So yeah, no, if you have not seen this movie, I suggest you watch it. It will make you feel things. It will make you question everything. Uh, I love it. I've seen it multiple times as a tween and I need to rewatch it as an adult because I understand. No, I don't. I don't understand love now, but I may a little more, you know. It's on HBO Max and I it's very high my watch list now. You should, you should watch it. All right. Give me that number eight. A uh, movie that you probably shouldn't watch. Cause I think, yeah, honestly, I think you'd hate this movie. Um, <laughs> it is uh, the only Martin Scorsese from the, actually, no, I think there's two Martin Scorsese films I really love from this decade. The obvious pick of Wolf of Wall Street, which I'm not picking. Haven't My other it. one is uh, Silence. Oh, haven't seen it. Why shouldn't okay. I watch it? Let me know. Um, so uh, Silence is pretty telling for what the movie's, like movies, whatever. I'll just, so Silence, is a, it's a story about two Jesuit priests Played by Adam Driver and Andrew Garfield. <gasps> wow. Who, yeah. So, so they, they go to Japan in like the 1400s uh, to go and spread their religion. And they're met with opposition by the locals for trying to basically impose themselves. And not going to argue that. Probably shouldn't. Fuck them. But <laughs> this is like, I am not religious whatsoever. I am pretty much the farthest thing you can get from a religious person. But there's so much empathy here in not only what they're going through, but how the world just seems to shatter. And I, I saw a big piece recently about how the, the big thing driving uh, Scorsese's filmmaking is Catholic guilt. Ooh. And I feel like that's, that's a, <laughs> I think that is so fascinating to see with this film because uh-huh. after a while, uh, driver sort of disappears and it's mostly Garfield's movie. Uh-huh. And just the way that every, that the way his, his religion is and his uh, thought process is challenged constantly throughout the film yeah just in the sense of just like am i am i am i what am i what is is what i'm doing right right should i be imposing myself is my religion even the right one and if there is a god how are these things happening to people Mm -hmm. and i think one of my favorite scenes of the decade is in this movie basically uh he's captured by some locals and is forced to watch people who he's sort of taught to follow christ denounce it by taking like this image of Jesus and stepping on it and rubbing their dirty feet on it. And the way Scorsese captures it is beautiful. Not, not beautiful, just it's just, it's so haunting. Cause yeah. it's every one of them, they just, they sit there and they contemplate like, am I going to hell for this? Am I about to destroy my life or is death the, the real pain? And every time a foot goes down in the image, you see Garfield just weeping and crying and his soul shattering, watching basically like his universe be slowly undermined by the people he put his faith in right oh my god that being said is also nearly three hours and really slow and this this shouldn't work for me it really shouldn't yeah it won't for me i know it already (laughs) (laughs) and there's liam neeson is there is like they're trying to find him and he basically he confirms the fear and everything but it's it's a movie i wouldn't really recommend but if we're talking like i go into a film class and i say here is my like edgy, not edgy, but like my pretentious. You guys couldn't see adjusting my non-existing, non-existing glasses. If I want to say like, here's my outside of the park best movie of the 2010s, this is it. Because I think Scorsese made a really shockingly personal film yeah. without it being about himself, just in the idea of what is religion and how does that carry to the fear you walk through life with. Oh yeah, and see, I'm I was not raised Catholic. I was raised what we could call Catholic light. Uh, which is Episcopalian. Like Diet Catholic. Uh, Diet Catholic, exactly. Uh, But so, you know, growing up in Southern 
never yeah southern oklahoma it was basically every sunday you go to church and you go to sunday you know like and i went to an episcopal school until i came to pacific literally like everything was episcopalian until i got to college and so I, you, you even said, you know, stepping on the, you know, you know, the picture of Christ. And I just, cr I cringed. I cringed a little bit because I am not religious now. And I don't really believe in any higher power. I'd say I'm more agnostic, but that still was like, oof, like you, like, that's like in my head, there's this constant, like, there's this, this, this feedback of like, oh, you can't do that when anything like, and, and anything anti-religious comes up. So I, that's, that's so interesting. I mean, I don't think I could make it through this movie at all. And you're right when you say that. Um, but it's still, I mean, it, it's, it's interesting. Um, and also you got me with Andrew Garfield. I mean, that just. And that's, Adam Driver. I know. See, I'm not much of a Kylo Ren person. Oh. I know, I know. Lots of people don't. Sex about people. to eat nachos. <laughs> I love Adam Driver, but I just, I. I don't love Kylo Ren. I think that people are a little too quick to see it's okay. It's hard because you can argue that the same thing. Listen, I love star Wars. You can argue that the same thing happened with Darth Vader, but Kylo Ren was just always a little evil bitch, but Darth Vader was a good boy at one point. I don't know. We're not talking about star Wars right now. We're talking about your movie. Um, and I mean, it, that's interesting. I, I don't, I'm not gonna lie, I don't think I've ever seen a Scorsese film. And I think that if I were, no, well, okay, don't don't quote me on that. Let me make sure before I if, do that. If there's if there's one I'd probably get like give us your like your first one, it'd either be oh. Wall Street or Goodfellas, or if you want to mm -hmm. go non-traditional to like ease your way in, you could do Hugo. Oh he, wait, Hugo with um Yeah, Hugo um, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love the movie. Wait. Oh I hate Hugo. You hate Hugo. I love Hugo. I so I love you so much. I watched that movie like so much as a kid. Not as a kid, but as a high schooler. But like still, I loved Hugo. No, I loved it's not it. it's in not... the train station. He lived in the little clock. I loved it. Who who's the fucking who's the director? It's oh oh no, it's um I thought Martin No, 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 no. No, the director, it's um George Melier. Look oh. at me, I made trip to the moon. I'm so special. Look at me and Ben Kingsley. Yeah, <laughs> Fuck that you. Weird. Fuck that. Well, I hope one movie is like an ode to cinema, but it's fucking boring and has weird robots in it. I just don't I give a shit. Now I liked it. Just <laughs> <laughs> trying to I, figure out. I, don't, I do not play nice, and we'll get to that maybe later. I don't know your list. And see, also. but also I think that on my list a little further is Taxi Driver. I've wanted to see that for a little bit longer. So I think I'd start with Wolf of Wall Street or Taxi Driver. Yeah. But this one seems interesting. I mean, I think that Martin is a little, he goes it's, a little, he doesn't go overboard, but I think his, his runtime is a little yeah. too, too long for my needs and my, like, Irish but, uh, I, oh I will, I will say that I think, I think it's a great movie that if you, like, you could watch it in like a history class in like 20 minute segments. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, let's, like, let's say you were a teacher and you're teaching about like this era in history or you're like a Christianity teacher. I think Ooh. this is a great film to just show in yeah. a classroom and just be like here look what like look at this little like small pocket of history wow no i love that that's super also, cool can I, can I run and grab a drink before you get to your next pick yeah for sure for sure you're good right. if you want to keep talking you can just like talk about the show or plug anything you want okay yeah. Right back. yeah for sure let me even think about it no you take your time you're good hey guys it's just you and me now what do you want to talk about <laughs> i don't know <laughs> hope you all are enjoying this episode 
what to say? I don't know. It's been quite a year, hasn't it? I mean, how are you all doing with online online learning? You can't respond. You can't talk back. I can only hope it's going well. Um, you know, I honestly really like it. I My grades have yet to suffer from it, which is nice. If anything, they've gotten better. And I don't know why that is. Uh, but, you know, I can only hope that yours are doing the same. What classes are you taking? <laughs> Again, you can't respond. It's okay. Oh, my goodness. You guys are, you guys are troopers for hanging in there. This, uh, this is quite the season of real talk. We're already 40 minutes into this episode and I'm not even to my number eight pick for top 10 movies of the 2010s. So th this is set to be a long one. That is for sure. But uh, still, it's gonna be fun. If you want to play a drinking game, take a shot every, say, every time I say, but uh. Oh, and Adelaide is returned to us. Here we are. The audience and I had a nice little conversation. It was good. <laughs> I'm scared of look, I'm, I'm scared to listen back to that. Let's hear what you <laughs> it's really just me asking how their how their semester's gone. <laughs> hey, positivity. Yeah, good stuff. All right, number eight. I think so. Yeah. Okay. My number eight um, is also just kind of another one of those movies that I really got into uh, when I was younger. I think it's, again, one of those kind of quote-unquote indie movies that I got into as a tween that I thought I was super cool for watching, but it is a good movie. Um, and it is the 2010, uh, it's kind of a funny story. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. Oh my gosh. Well, so here's the thing. It stars uh, Kier, oh my goodness, this this name is hard to pronounce. If you have ever seen the show Atypical, he plays the main character in that Netflix series, uh, Kier Gilchrist. Gilchrist? Kier Gilchrist. Gilchrist, something like that. G like Hasnigo, I'm guessing, from the name Christ. It must. G-I-L-C-H-R-I-S-T. Um, is his name, and he plays Craig, and then also Jim Gaffigan is in this movie, he plays Craig's father, uh, Zach Galifianakis is in the movie, um, all of these people, Zoe Kravitz is in the movie, that's funny that one of the main characters that's in this movie isn't even on, like, the main list, but it's, uh, it's, um, Emma Roberts is in this movie, who is not one of my favorite people, but, uh, you know, is, is a, is in this movie nonetheless, <laughs> Um, but this movie is about a clinically depressed teenager who starts, who uh, gets a new start after he checks himself into an adult psychiatric ward. So it's kind of about this freshly 17 year old, or no, 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 no. Um, what happens in the movie is that in this movie, uh, Kier's character, Craig is uh, suicidal, checks himself into a mental hospital um, where unfortunately the pediatric unit because he is a high schooler and is not yet an adult, is being is, is under construction. And so he gets thrust into the world of the adult psychiatric unit where he kind of has to figure out what's going on and makes friends along the way and starts to understand himself. And I think that this movie uh, was kind of my first introduction to mental health in a sense and the complications and the horrific you know, situations that come with mental health. Um, but it's, it's, it's honestly, it's, 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 it's based off of a book, um, written by, um, oh, this is going to get depressing. I'm very sorry. This is, uh, based off of a book written, written by, uh, Ned Vizzini, uh, I believe was his name, who unfortunately passed away, um, 
due to unfortunate circumstances back in 2014, 2015, 2013, around that time. Um, but it, it, it uh, was really kind of just this movie that I watched at like a really weird time in my life that I think made a lot of things more understandable and a lot of things more um, clear to me as I grew up. And so I think that I, 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 I turn back to it every now and then just because it's something that is comforting in the sense of mental health is scary, but it also doesn't have to be horrific all the time. It can be funny and it can be kind of just like a silly situation. And that's what this film kind of makes it. It's, um, like, it's like destigmatizing it to, a, to an extent. Yes, no, exactly. That's exactly okay. what it does. And it's and it's nice and it's almost refreshing because I think so often when with film you see, oh, depression is so yeah. awful and you're in your room and you're in, it's just kind of like, no, sometimes mental health can be like the dumbest shit in the world. And that's that can only be seen by people who are mentally ill sometimes. And so it's kind of this, it's it's like a breath of fresh air to see that like these, you know, people are just like me and I'm just like these people. And we don't have to be ashamed of being, you know, right, exactly. We don't have to be ashamed with, you know, the issues that we have. We can take them in stride and work to better ourselves and also have a laugh while we do it. And that is definitely something that this movie does. Uh, so if you haven't seen it, I would definitely suggest it. It's it's fantastic. Like I said, Zach Galifianakis is in it. He's a big old goofball. He is just a, like a silly little man. He really makes this movie great. Uh, so yeah, if you have yet to see it, I would I would suggest it. All I can say is like the entire time you're talking, I was like, hmm, have you seen The Way Way Back? <laughs> I was just thinking about that the entire time. I I have seen The Way Way Back, but it it's been a while. I think I need to rewatch that. I, I just, for some reason, when I when I heard destigmatizing mental health, I was like, "Ooh, okay." Uh, Short term twelve, which we'll get to that yeah. uh, later. <laughs> uh, and way way back, just like, "Oh, hey, this kid is obviously like very depressed." Everyone around him sort of sees it, and they're just like, "Oh, you're pretty cool. Fuck your family. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck your dad, Steve Carell, or stepdad, whatever." Fuck your dad, Steve Carell. Oh, that's a great quote. That should be on a shirt. <laughs> Hey, real talk merch. On top Honestly, of, I'm making the rap, before? rap for it right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can wait until like 2024. This podcast can review uh, Ratatouille the musical. Remy the Ratatouille. Oh, I can't wait. Did you hear that Disney saw it and responded? Yeah, to no. It? I, I saw uh, someone. Oh, someone on the Disney Parks Twitter account was uh, doing a rap about it. Oh, that is so good. I'm ready for this musical to come out. I know it's going to happen. It has to. It should. Oh my god. Give me number eight. Number seven. Oh, no, wait. Oh, yeah. You went yeah. first, right? Number seven. Yeah, right. My number seven, I think, is really interesting because uh, I let slip before uh, the show really got anywhere that I had one animated film on here. Oh. And it was one I didn't think Livy had seen. And she's like, oh, I've seen it. So we could actually talk about it in detail. Oh, uh, yes. Your yeah. name. Oh, your name. That's so See, you didn't think I was a little anime bitch, did you? You didn't think so, huh? <laughs> welcome I, to I, welcome I to Weeb Talk. We talk about um Weeb films from. Actually, oh, I'm, I'm looking up this. I'm looking up his name. I, I remember I had I knew it at one time, and now I can't pull it. But See, your name honestly was one of the films that got me into anime, at least modern. Because like I grew up on like fucking Pokemon and Naruto and shit, and then I sort of aged out of it, and there was like this whole stigma behind it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I was sort of better in high school. It wasn't like where I am now. 
and I saw this like, wait, no, anime is art. Yes. <laughs> uh, the, the director's name is a Mikado, uh, Mikado Shinkai. Okay. Yeah. And I've looked. I looked at a couple of films since then, but nothing is like nothing your. Cares. So, viewers who don't know, in case you're not weave like me and Livy, um, <laughs> your name is about uh, two people who just start wake up each other's bodies. No explanation, no real understanding of what's happening. They just do. Uh, and over the film, it's the course of them finding out what is the cause, why is this happening, and learning how, like, learning to live with each other as each other. And it's this beautiful, like, it, it's it's sort of a love story, but they never really, like, really put terms on it. It's right. just this idea of just, like, better understanding yourself yeah. and finding, finding, like, that adjacent soul in the universe. And it turns and it turns into like this great little adventure near the end of it, and it's oh, cries and tears really every time. It, like, the supernatural aspect to it. I mean, obviously with the body switching, but like, I mean, not to spoil anything, but this is also a spoiler you know, full show. Like time travel, yeah, in a way. Like, oh my god. Well, I, I think I think what um, Shinkai does really well is like the idea of just like blending casual fantasy into his stories. Mm -hmm. Like I can say that more directly with like his film he released last year, Weathering with You, Ooh. which I saw in the theaters in February and I was fucking hyped. Wow. Uh, just this idea of just like fantasy elements can exist, but they're not for the sake of fantasy storytelling. They're they're wow. there to like elevate the emotions of his main characters. Yeah. Wow, God no! So I remember. I watched this not too long ago because uh, I definitely remember watching it in my sorority house. So it was at least in the past two or three years. Um, but just uh, kind of, I, I I wasn't hesitant to go in it, but I, like I said, I mean, like, sure, I, I watch anime, but not, I think, as much as, uh, you know, a regular weeb, like we're saying, would. <laughs> I watched, you know, Oron High School Host Club, Sword Art Online, and then I kind of called it quits. Uh, but this it was on so many lists, I think, that I had seen of favorites of maybe even the 2010s or favorites of the year of when it came out and just said like, this looks interesting. And I think that when I look at anime, I, I like to find ones that are a little more slice of life, like not very fantasy, not very supernatural. And I looked at this and on the outside, I said, oh, perfect. This is just about a boy and a girl who fall in love. But then I was thrown into so much more and that's what, but, but, and I wasn't disappointed. Like all of a sudden it was a fantasy supernatural, you know, film. And I was like, no, 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 this is good. Keep yeah. this going. And so I think I need to, you know, get over my, you know, hate. I don't have a hatred of fantasy or sci-fi, but sometimes I just want that, you know, regular slice of life situation. Yeah. Oh, like maybe, maybe like, maybe like there's like this small distrust with it. Just like, Oh, like fantasy, like you have all these expectations. Yeah. And then again, this idea of these, of like not destigmatizing, that's not the word. Mm -hmm. Just like you're I'm able to just like make it a more casual part of it. And it's not about the fantasy. It's about the yeah. characters. Yeah. I will say though, I, I think our, your name experience is beyond us as well. Because, at least from my memory, it's the highest grossing anime film ever. Yes, yes. I do remember that. I, I saw that somewhere. And, yeah, and I feel like there was this kind of in, like increased interest since then. Mm -hmm. This idea oh. of just like, hey, anime is like pretty normal to like. You don't have to be fucking weird. Yeah. Like, it's not just your hentai and shit. Like, there's actual, yeah. real, honest stories. And it's really normal. Like, everyone, like I, I have a bunch of people right now who are like, oh my god, I love Food Wars. Or, I um, love Food Wars. <laughs> I have a bunch of friends that we talk about uh, My Hero Academia a lot, and it's just like the same oh, yeah. this idea of just like, it's anime is not the weird subculture thing now. It's like, it's anime like, 
be regular, normal stuff. Your name is like Iron Man, basically. Go, it went from like normalizing comic books to normalizing anime. Yeah. And it's, I think that, and even so, and, and I look at it more and I think whenever I kind of, I, so this was, you know, I, I watched anime all throughout high school just because, you know, when I made friends with the theater kids, that's just what kind of happens. Um, it's it's all the same. But uh, I, I started watching all this stuff and all of a sudden, you know, I was made to feel like I was a weirdo for watching random animes. And then one day I, you know, go to school senior year and all of the cool kids are like, you, you watch a Naruto yet? And it's kind of like, well, wait, 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 like, hold on. Uh, you're not allowed to believe it if I'm not allowed to watch an animal. Like, what the fuck is this? You can't just all of a sudden. And it, and but it, then I kind of had to stay, take a step back and be like, no, you know, anime can be for anyone. It just just because you know all the cool kids got a hold of it, you know, doesn't mean that I have to freak out. And so I think that I'm glad. I think is what's happening is that that anime is coming into more of a mainstream. Which is some rare because I usually hate it when things come into the mainstream because I'm a hipster trash piece of shit. But like, I think that it's nice now that people are kind of you know realizing you know anime isn't just for like nerdy weird kids. It's you know anyone can watch it because it's basically just television or film, and I think that that's really cool. So yeah, I love. You remember it. like uh, this came out in 2016. Everyone was like in an uproar at the Oscars like. Why wasn't this nominated? No, uh, and I'm I'm looking for it right now and I can't find it. Uh, oh yeah, and it went to like Zootopia and like that's fine. Ooh. And it's actually, it was a really good yeah Zootopia, Moana, Kubo and the Two Strings. Oh wow, uh, the Red Turtle, which no one fucking liked, but I still really want to see. Never even heard of it. Oh my god, it's a, it's a silent film from from Ghibli, so that's, it's oh Ghibli that that's, yeah. that's good. And then uh, My Life as a, as a Zucchini, which uh, oh, I have a friend who yeah. loves. It. I want to see that movie. It looks so cute, but maybe sad. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> cute, maybe sad. That's like most animated films. <laughs> honest. Every animated movie has to be sad. That's like a rule at this point. Mm. Oh my goodness. All right. What is your number seven? My number seven. Oh, I'm excited to talk about this. Okay, so this one, um, would I call it a guilty pleasure? Oh no. Yes and no, but it's kind of it, it's it's. It's, it is the result of a phase that I had in middle school, uh, but it's not the phase that you think it is when I say the movie. Um, the film that I am talking about at my number seven is Warm Bodies. Uh, oh, fuck. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. I haven't seen this, but I'm scared of this discussion. No. So, okay. Well, so when I say Warm Bodies, obviously most people will see, okay, it's a zombie movie. I understand that. My obsession was not with zombies. I've never really been into the whole zombie craze. Uh, my obsession was with Nicholas Holt, um, our main protagonist in the film who plays R. Uh, he doesn't have, it, his name is just R. Um, but then you have to, so, so what's fun about this movie is that the main character's name is R. He is a zombie. Uh, and after a highly unusual zombie, R saves a still living girl from an attack. The two form a relationship that sets, uh, that sets in motion events that might transform the entire lifeless world. So obviously we, we, we know that our, our protagonist's name is R, but what is our what is our female protagonist's name? Julie. So if you think about it, R and Julie, <laughs> Romeo and Julie. Yeah. <laughs> Gag. Um, this is obviously an adaptation, an adaptation of Romeo and Juliet, uh, because it's this 
basically Teresa Palmer, who plays Julie, is the daughter of a is the is the daughter of John Malkovich. Who, <laughs> I know. I can't believe it. <laughs> but John Malkovich plays basically this like the the president of this. So it, it's it's the zombie apocalypse. It's post apocalyptic. And uh, John Malkovich has started this society of zombie hunters, basically, who go out every day and they shoot the zombies. Also, I'd like to mention that there are two types of zombies. There are the regular zombies that still have skin, and there are the bonies that just are bones. <laughs> they're just they're just bones. That's it. Um, and they, but anyways, John Malkovich's little army of society people go out and they kill zombies every day and they scout areas that they could maybe take over to expand their land and kill zombies. But uh, after one unfortunate um, raid, I guess you could call it, Teresa Palmer and her, or Teresa Palmer who plays Julie and her then boyfriend Perry, who is played by Dave Franco, Perry gets... Oh. <laughs> I know, right? He's awful. But... um. Right, so after after James Franco's character dies, Nicholas Holt takes uh, Teresa Palmer's character back to um, a a plane. So all the zombies live at an old abandoned airport. Most of them do, and he takes he takes Julie Juliet back to his his airplane where he lived, and basically just teaches her that hey, zombies aren't all that bad, and they fall in love, and that's all you get to know about the movie. But uh, I. Right, so I had a Nicholas Holt obsession in middle school at the perfect timing for this movie to come out, and uh, I still love him to this day. I think he's great. Uh, you should guys, you guys should go watch his new. Uh, wow, geez, what is he in? He's in this new show with. Um, I, I know he's in the Tolkien movie. That's about it. Oh, he was in Tolkien. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's, um, it's a period piece. It's it's not important because that's not what we're talking about. Also, the favorite, which is great. Oh, he wasn't. Was he in the favorite? Yeah, he he played one of like the uh, the the head of the opposition of the parliament or whatever. Oh yeah! Oh my gosh! Well, it's it's something exactly like the favorite. It's uh, I can actually look it up right now. I don't know. Why I'm sitting here, you know. While you're doing, doing that, that, I will say there are yes. only three good versions of of uh, Romeo and Juliet. So much that I wrote them down. Well, uh, tell you me. guys can't see. Probably There's only three three good versions. Uh, number one, West Side Story. Yeah. Argument there. Number yeah, two, Shakespeare in Love. Okay. Pleasure, yeah. I really love it. Yeah. Number three, The Lion King two, Simba's Pride. No, nothing else. No, number, no, nothing number three, else. Romeo plus Juliet, <laughs> Oslerman adaptation. Fuck you! I've never seen it, but no. Kovu writes. No. Kovu no, writes. No, I'm dead. No, well, okay. Nicholas Holt was in the uh, the Great, I believe it was called. Uh, the the more like the okay, more like the eh, meh, whatever. <laughs> No, but Warm Bodies was just kind of this this feel good movie that I watched a lot as a little middle schooler, um, and I think it it really kind of just I don't know it's it it's still to this day kind of it's like I said it's kind of a guilty pleasure kind of not just because I don't I haven't heard a lot of people talk badly about it. Um, a lot of the people that I've talked to have kind of been like, oh, that was actually a that that was a decent movie. It, it held up. Um, so I really liked it. Uh, I. I have a fun time watching it. I have a fun time re-watching it. I saw it in theaters a couple times and I thought it was pretty good. Um, but it was also one of the first, I guess, zombie movies that I ever saw because I I don't like scary stuff and this one wasn't scary. I mean, it kind of was, but it was okay. <laughs> I have a theory. Yes. I think Warm Bodies is Twilight for cool people. I'll take that. 
I will take that. <laughs> I've never seen that. I'm just here to be funny. Um, I might no. see it eventually. It's one of my friends' like top 100 favorite movies. I just never got around to it. It's just it's it's like right. It's far enough outside of my wheelhouse because I sort of fucking hate Romeo and Juliet. Oh no! I, I hate. They're so, so annoying characters. I love it so much. <sighs> Don't say Mercutio. No, Don't no, it's, it's just Romeo and Juliet. I just hate those two. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. That's yeah. Fair. It's, it's 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 the Titanic argument. She's like, I hate the two leads. Everything around yeah. is pretty cool. Though. Just fuck the two leads. The two leads in Titanic. Oh, are you kidding? I was happy when he fucking hate, died. Why do you hate every character Leo plays? What is? Why do you hate? Hey, you hate hey, my no, no, Captain Buchanan is real good. Okay, I love. I, I you got me there. You got. Me there. Oh my goodness. Actually, Leo used to be like my favorite actor. Now I don't have one. <laughs> Did you, dude? I cried when he won the Oscar. I have a video of me sobbing when he won the Oscar. Put it on the Instagram. <laughs> I no, I we don't. Honestly, I will. God, it was. Oh. the Revenant, so go ahead and just play it. Now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Big bear costume. Oh my goodness! But yes, yeah, so warm bodies. It's it's fun and cute, and it's just kind of there for a good time. It's not there to be anything else. Uh, and it's, mm. I don't know. I enjoy it. Uh, but give me. So this is your number six, yes? Yeah. Okay. So I, so I I will say. Um, beyond this, you'll see a, little, a bit like me leaning towards more best rather than favorite, which is why I also had silence back there. Yeah. This is me being a fucking idiot and not doing that. Oh, but number no. six is uh, it's, it's not that bad. It's Warrior. Oh, okay. Okay. I don't know if I've even heard of it. I okay, so this is a movie that probably should never have come out because it only came out in 2011 after Tom Hardy was like massive an inception. Everyone's like, "Holy shit, who is this guy?" Director David O'Connor, like, "Ooh, <laughs> we just made this movie. Uh, time to make bank off of his fame." So they made Warrior which is about Tom Hardy and Joel Edgerton, who are strange brothers who sort of fall apart, lost their relationship with, with each other as they grew apart and separated by their mom and their dad getting a divorce. Uh, and they, and they had sort of like coalesce and come together because they're both in this um, MMA tournament, like the biggest in the world, the first time ever it's been international. And the two brothers are here basically rediscovering and deepening their relationship and trying to, trying to fix it while they're preparing to beat the ever loving fuck out of each other. Oh, okay. Okay. And Nick Nolte was like an Oscar nomination for it. We're just being really drunk. And We're just like, being drunk. Oh no, no! His, his big Oscar scene is just like after, um, Tom Hardy basically says, "I don't want you to train me anymore. You're abusive and you're my dad and I hate you." It's like okay, and he goes in to apologize the next day, and it's him just blasted drunk, screaming Moby Dick, is like I am the White World, and just oh, breaking God. everything in a hotel room. Oh my God! Nick Nolte's on fucking drugs, dude. Honestly, this movie is. I think this movie's fantastic. Um, we're keeping the trend of some of my favorite endings of all time, apparently. Ooh, but beyond that, it's just, it's really earnest about these two's relationship because it's not perfect. And you can see, like, how their own upbringings really change how they interact with the world. Like, Joel Edgerton lived with uh, his mom, and she was very supportive, even though she hated. Uh, her husband and her other son to an extent for Ooh. going with him. Rough. And he go he grows up to be a teacher with a loving wife and kids and everything and things are sort of hard hard on him financially, which is why he has to go and join the tournament. And Hardy grew up with a dad who like emotionally abused the fuck out of him and, and basically bred him to be this amazing fighter. Yeah. Oh wow. And then like he moved away from him as soon as he could because of how talk hmm? I said twisted parent trap. I think it's a really, really just personal movie. 
Yeah. I don't know why. I think I think just because I have, I have just such an interesting relationship with everyone in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and just watching them sort of like fight to come together and how I don't have words. I really don't have words. I, such a, mm-hmm. I find a hard way to talk about this movie because I just boned it so seemingly normal and like a, just a generic sports drama. But Hardy and Edgerton are both amazing actors and the depth they give these characters is fantastic. And I'm ignoring the fact that these fights are exhilarating. And um, you also see a lot of frame from like other people's perspectives of um, Edgerton's wife. She's like, I don't want to support this. I can't do this. I want to see you get beat up. And her relationship going back and forth with it about like, can I support him in this? Can I watch him doing this? What do I do if he loses? You could fucking die because you're facing off against people who actually like have killed people in the ring. Damn, yeah. Yeah, no, and it, um, about today by The National. Um, yeah. if you haven't heard it, go I love listen to it. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. So I think, I think it's, I think it's an original for the movie. If not, it's like pretty close to the release. Yeah. And it's, it's like the song for the final scene of the movie. Ooh, and I it's some it. of the best use and best use of music in film ever. Oh, I love that. Oh, my goodness. See, I'm, I'm, I'm not a, I, I always tend to shy away from uh, sports movies. Same. Right. So, you know, like, and I wouldn't, there's things like this and there's things like a Southpaw, uh, I think, which is kind of a very emotional movie. It's not just about boxing, but it's also about life and people. And so I think that I, I, I tend to judge movies that have this overarching theme of, of sport as, oh, it's just a sports movie. And I kind of tend to like look away from what it could actually be about, which could be family or yeah, it's mostly family. But um, that, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Oh, no, um, I, I was just thinking, I, I had Vin Diesel in my head just screaming, family. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Vin. But no, I mean, this is, I, I, I feel I, I, I'm looking at the IMDb page and I had definitely seen this. I, at least I'd seen the, 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 um, the, the poster, the poster yeah. for the movie. And I, I probably once again brushed it off as just a just a sports movie, but the, the way you talked about it makes me really want to watch it. Um, I, 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 think, I think, oh yes, right? uh, <laughs> I, I think the, like the most interesting thing about this is how it sort of just works for everyone. I think if you give yourself to it, I love that. I've made both my parents watch it on their own in their own time. <laughs> Individually, they were both like they both just understood my love for it and could find enjoyment themselves. Oh. And only that, like, at the end of the film, there's a little, like, keynote, whatever, that basically just says, like, um, oh, I'm forgetting, I'm forgetting the actual words of it. But, like, basically, like, like this, this, um, like, love your brother, love your family, and just be there for them. Oh, like, this, this is a love letter, basically, to just brotherly relationships and family. I love so, like, that. It'd be a weird thing to, like, sit down and watch with your family, but it's something I would just be like, hey, just, like, watch it. <laughs> Yeah, um, and, if, and if they get to it in their own time, just they're like there's like this emotional understanding, this connection of just like seeing what family means to people. Oh, I love that. I mean, I I think that again, sports movies tend to always have this under. I mean, there's a, the overarching thing of, of of sports, but then there's the underarching theme of you know anything else, and I I I, I love you know. That, that film has to have that, but I think it's always nice when it's family. And you know, you say family, but all I can think of is that movie that uh, Florence. Oh, Pew. You, Pew. Yeah, I think we. we Fighting I, with my family. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the only thing running through my head right now. I haven't seen it. Florence and I Pug. Yeah. I don't know if it's even good. 
But it's all right. It's fine. It? I don't love it. Yeah, is the, isn't the Rock in it? Yeah, he's also producing Gross. the movie. Gross. I don't like the Rock. I'll say it right now. <laughs> he's good in the Jumanji movies. But that's what I hate him most in because I feel like we didn't have to do anything with Jumanji. We really didn't. Okay. Didn't but you know why I love the Rock? Because um, I was playing Jackbox last night with all of my friends. Oh, yeah. And every time we got a question, it was just like, oh, this person is hard. We're always <laughs> answering the rock. <laughs> and we're always close enough that it was concerning. That's so funny. I don't know. I just, I, something pushes me the wrong way with WWE superstars becoming actors, which is why I also don't like seeing John Cena in things. Dave Bautista. What was that? Uh, no. Oh. No. Because he also defended James Gunn after James Gunn was outed for making those really disgusting pedophilic tweets. I have a yeah, lot of his, his comedy. I think I think like I'm not going to defend those. I, I think the James Gunn situation is very great, but those jokes are ew. Yeah, those jokes are nasty. I think that yeah. it was also, but like then again, it's it's a weird situation. Yeah. Uh, I yeah, I, I have a lot of weird grievances with a lot of weird people uh, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That's for sure. But God damn it, don't I love it? Which kind of brings us to my number six. Oh boy, okay. <laughs> in a weird way brings us to my number six. So my number six is a Marvel movie, but it is not a part of the MCU. However, <laughs> well, I don't know if you're going to be doing that when I say it. I'm very scared now. <laughs> kind of touchy. It's 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 touching though. Um. This is, oh, I'll just go ahead and say it. My number six film is X-Men First Class. Um, yes. So this is basically the film that got me into superhero movies before then. I And this came out in, oh, geez. 2011. Little, 2011. Yeah, yes. 2011. Um, and once again, this is also what got me into my Nicholas Holt phase, kind of touching back on what we talked about on my number, my number seven pick. Uh, this is love big hairy blue man, absolutely. I love him so much. I still have one of the Funko Pop figures like in my closet of these. <laughs> my favorite for the longest time. Um, but I also watched this movie because I also had a big old love for Jennifer Lawrence, which has gone away now because I yeah. just I'm not feeling it anymore. But it was because they, her and Nicholas Holt were together, and so that kind. I love a good. I love a good pairing. I love a good relationship. You, love, I, you love a good uh, two attractive people just like casually yeah. motion faces. Exactly, but also because I have no relationship of my own, so I have to thrive off of other people's. Um, and so that did it for me. But um, they met through this movie, and so I was like, oh my god, I have to watch it. But instead, I was met with so much more that suddenly sent me into the world of marvel movies and then the marvel cinematic universe which will be in my later uh <laughs> in my later favorites of 2010 but in this movie you get the you get the origin stories of all of the classic x-men and i think that it's one of the things that it, it takes place in the 1960s which is something that i had you know what wasn't very um you know uh I wasn't in love with in the beginning, but I learned to love it. And now I have this big old thing where I'm kind of one of those people who's like, I was born in the wrong decade and I want to be in the seventies or the eighties right now. This kind of started that too. 
Um, so the synopsis is in the 1960s, super powered, oh my God, super powered humans, Charles Xavier and Eric Lynsher work to find other humans like them. But Eric's vengeful pursuit of an ambitious mutant who ruined his life causes a schism to divide them. This just, I, oh my God, this movie has everything. I'm going to go into my Stefan moment really quick. This movie has everything. It has you know, queer baiting, but it's kind of like fun. I don't know. Queer baiting, fairy strippers, casual <laughs> racism, and the Cuban Missile Crisis. I mean, we can't, and, and so we can't not talk about Zoe Kravitz as Angel. Oh my God. But there's just, there's all of my come to be favorite X-Men are in this movie. And even one of the best cameos by, um, by Hugh Jackman. Oh my God, when they come up to him at the bar, it's like, I'm Eric Fletcher, I'm Charles Xavier, go fuck yourself. <laughs> that lives in my head 24 seven. It's just this, this movie is fan service for those who love the original X-Men comics or movies, but it does it in a tasteful way that also gives you an origin story and makes you think about the Cold War <laughs> you know, in a weird, I mean, it's it kind of the whole entire thing. Also, That's, yeah, it's the, it's the only time I've ever okay. There's only two movies I like Kevin Bacon in this <laughs> and Crazy Stupid Love. <laughs> yes, oh my god, he was Sebastian Shaw. Yeah, he's who, great. Oh my god. Oh my god, he was pretty cool because he like had this whole energy situation where he could absorb the energy of other people and then kind yeah. of shoot it back out at them. Which, if you think about it my little superhero nerd, is what uh, the Black Panther suit could do in the Black Panther movie. And mm. I, just, I just love thinking about how all of these kind of superhero powers and the like suit powers are kind of interconnected. Oh, I don't know. Wait, so so speaking of his powers, I want, I want to get your opinion on this, because yeah. I do not know comics or X-Men really at all whatsoever. I feel like I know what you're going to talk about. Go when ahead. I first saw this class, uh, this movie, fan spoilers, I'm sorry, oh, Darwin's sorry. death. I knew you were going to talk about it. I it, thought it was one of the most like beautiful haunting scenes and anything. I think it was uncalled for. I think it should not have happened. I am on the, I'm on the Darwin should have lived bus, if you want to call it that, because his power is that he can evolve and adapt to anything. He should have been able to survive whatever yeah. happened. Theoretically, like, he should be, he should be invincible. He should be invincible. But yeah. of course, and there's, the, the, it, what what happens? I think when when I look into it through a like when I go onto Twitter and I look up you know uh, problems that people have with the movies, it's it's like why would you kill the one African American character that you have, yeah. and why would you do it first when his character is literally supposed to be invincible? So I think there's a lot kind of piling on to Darwin's death that I'm kind of annoyed with. Uh, in the end, it happened, and I can't change that. I just really don't think it should have. But, but as I, 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 I won't defend. It. I just think I think it's filmed so amazingly. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I think I think the score oh. and the slow destruction of them. I think it's beautiful. Everything mm -hmm. behind it. And now that I know just more, just doing research into it, into it, it is really disgusting. Oh yeah, no, it's it's nasty. And what's crazy is that I look back on that scene, and it's one of my favorites. Uh, the, the not Darwin's death, but the beginning of this scene is when they have all the original and all the the first like for, it's the first class of x-men x-men mm -hmm. first class uh, and they're all together in this room and they're kind of like you know there's there's obvious tension because there's this kind of need to be the best 
and they're all talking to each other and they're kind of like, well, what's your superpower and what's, and they're having a fun, but they, 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 they grow together and they learn to become friends based off of the fact that they all have this X gene, this mutated gene uh, that caused them to have superpowers. Um, and it's kind of this beautiful coming together of, you know, this band of misfits that is always so fun to see in movies. Uh, and I really, I really love that. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> fucking, <laughs> fucking uh, Kevin Bacon had to come in and ruin it. <laughs> fucking ruin everything. <laughs> and also, I hate Mystique's ending because that was just stupid. But whatever, it, it I, had to happen. I'm, I need to rewatch this. I, I think part of me is just like questioning it, it all in my head because I'm constantly told like, oh no, Days of Future Past, the best one. And I haven't seen that since theaters, but I really just, I want to sit down and rewatch all of the X-Men movies in a row. Yeah. And oh, just yeah. get the opportunity to re-experience everything. Mm -hmm. I feel that. And see, I'm, I, as much as I love this movie, I, I went to go, I, obviously I loved X-Men First Class. I did go see X-Men Days of Future Past and I thought it was really good, but anything past that, which I think there, there've been two, there's been um, X-Men Apocalypse and X-Men uh, Dark Phoenix. I believe yeah. was the one. Haven't seen those two, um, which I need to, I for sure. Uh, also because I love Evan Peters' uh, rendition of um, uh, oh geez, oh geez, Speedy Boy. Um, Quicksilver. Quicksilver. Thank you. I'm a terrible Marvel fan, but he was only in one MCU. That's an MCU thing, technically. So. Well, yeah, they. I see, and I love how we had two Quicksilvers and. Here's the thing. Now that Disney owns Fox, we can get Evan, Evan, uh, Evan, Evan Boy, Evan Peters as Quicksilver, and that'll be fantastic. American uh, Evan Horror Story, yeah. Evan, yeah, Evan, Evan Horror Story, Murphy Ryan, Murphy, yeah, exactly. We can get. <laughs> no, I know. Don't even get me started on Murphy. Um, but yeah, X Men First Class is my is my number six. It is my tried and true. Uh, it really it was my first Marvel movie of all time that I ever. It got me into the franchise of Marvel itself, uh, and I owe a lot to it. Um, so it, it definitely made the list. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so so, so. Uh, here <laughs> is where we take a break because ah. uh, this is gonna be like two and a half hours, maybe more. We don't know. Yep. So we're just gonna put a pause on this. Uh, our ten through six. Thank you for listening this week. Uh, and next week we will be going through our five to our number. Ones, yeah. as I'm well as a lot of honorable mentions there eventually, because I do have a lot to get through. I do too. I mean, I just kind of, and a lot of them, I think I put an honorable mention because I've only seen them once, but I still think they deserve a, a good old pat on the back. That's <laughs> what I see it as. Yeah. But this was fun. I, I yeah. love, I love going through top ten lists. I mean, I watch Watch Mojo too much, so this is mm -hmm. a lot like that for me. Um, but yes, thank you so much to everyone for listening. Uh, we will be back with you next week with our remainder, uh, with the remaining five movies of our top 10 uh, of the 2010s. Um, we hope you enjoyed this, this listen, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.